Uh, alright, so this is, uh, this is my first episode that I'm doing with my new microphone. I hope, uh, everybody likes it. I hope that this helps with, I thought that there was some sound in the background coming from, like, passing cars, uh, cause I'm on a sun porch and there's, like, a state route that runs right past my house. Um, so it's sometimes pretty loud. So, Hopefully this sounds better. Um, but yeah, so what's up, folks? Um, welcome back to yet another episode of absolutely nobody's favorite podcast, uh, Annoying Question Boy, with your host, me, your boy, Annoying Question Boy. Um, just a little, just a little precursor to the show. I'm pretty fucking high. Um, I made the mistake of smoking more weed than I needed to before this show. Uh, so now I'm pretty high, so if at any point I trail off or anything like that, uh, I apologize, um, and I'm probably not going to edit it out. So, yeah, so let's go ahead and get right into it. So, someone that you haven't seen a whole lot of um, in news lately but it seems like he's uh, he, he's trying to change that, is uh, Ben Carson. Uh, he, uh, he was in an interview on Fox News, like a bit back, and uh, it was about the Rayshard Brooks case, where he uh, actually refers to Rayshard, who at this point had already been like uh, named three times. Uh, he called him the one guy who lost his life, which seems like a nice little, you know, forgetful, dehumanizing tactic. Real sweet, Doc. Um, he also, oddly enough, makes, like, kind of a little case for the fact that the murder might not have happened if, uh, when cops were trained in this country, they were trained to understand that when they take their gun out of its holster, they're making a decision. And that decision is that whatever is happening in front of them is worth taking someone's life for. And uh, he also says that the officers that shot at Rayshard also shot at him uh, in an area where there's, like, civilians. And he says, quote, I thought officers were trained not to endanger other civilians in the process of apprehension, uh, end quote. Um... He was talking about the fact that one of the bullets that fired uh, missed Rayshard. Uh, you know, real, real awful that it would miss a, you know, human being. And it hit the rear fender of another person's car. Which, I know what you're thinking, a little bit of foreshadowing. But, uh, yeah, um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second here. But, um, in like a millisecond he does a 180 and then says uh we need to respect police and what they go through every single day because you don't know what they have to endure he also says that there's quote not a lot of these cases that happen end quote uh referring to when police uh murder people but in just the last year, so just since 2020, over 500 people have been reported as being killed by police. Um, and that's just, you know, of the ones that are reported. So you, you couldn't even know how many, how many have happened this year. But another direct quote from the interview was, quote, when there's not a lot of these cases that happen, it's unfair to judge po uh, police by the mistakes they've made. I think this situation could have been handled better. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of claims being made on social media, mostly like on Facebook, that echo this sentiment um, about the Breonna Taylor case, saying basically like, it should have been handled better, but it was more complicated than you and I could understand. Or just saying that we don't have all the facts. But when I look at cases like Rayshard Brooks, Breonna Taylor's, or George Floyd's, it doesn't really matter whose. Um, there's usually always enough 
facts, just base level facts on the table, for any level-headed individual to come to the conclusion about what happened, you know? And uh, the fact that anybody wants to sit there and pretend that that's not true, uh, you, you shouldn't be wasting your time trying to talk with this person. You know what I mean? Like, they obviously don't get it. But I've been trying to kind of stay away from arguing on social media myself. Um, if you know me personally, you know, have me on any social media, or you know my podcast and my blogs, like, quote-unquote, vibe, uh, then you probably know that's just something I do a lot. Um, I like to comment on statuses and fight with people sometimes. It's kind of fun. Um, but, so, the other day, uh... This guy that I know shared something about the fact that uh, Breonna Taylor's case, you know, only saw one indictment and it was for wanting endangerment, which we'll, we'll get to later in the show. Um, and someone commented that, you know, we don't have all the facts. But then he also said, he was like, and I'm sure that your Trump-hating bias has nothing to do with your opinion about this case. And not even to really, like, get into any kind of depth, but it, should, it shouldn't matter who you like as president when it comes to deciding whether or not someone being murdered in their sleep by police is bad. Like, are we so dogmatic and just null of all, like, common sense and critical thinking skills that we just attach everything to one person and therefore everything that that one person does or says is inherently correct just because of who that person is, you know? Uh, so I commented, fuck you, <laughs> under his, his post or his comment. And then the guy who made the official, like, or made the official, that posted the original post that we were commenting on comment like replied to my comment and was like hey be respectful <clears throat> and like i i really don't i don't understand that whole thing be respectful be be respectful to who for what i don't know this fucking guy i don't care about him and also what do i know about him that should make me respect him because he's a human being um he lost my respect as soon as he said some dumbass shit like that. And then I also was accused of trying to be a white uh, a white knight, but I'm not getting to that. That frustrated the fuck out of me. I, I had a conversation with the guy who posted it, and he ended up taking it back, but it, it, really, it really frustrated me. But um, speaking of having absolutely no respect... Um, one of the cops on the Louisville Police Department apparently called the protesters about a month ago um, a bunch of punks and said that they'll be washing the officers' cars. Um, so, for context, uh, the person in question, Major Bridget Hallahan, was one of the officers that was at a protest last month after the ruling from the Kentucky Grand Jury that they that stated that they weren't going to be charging any of the officers with anything from Breonna Taylor's case. Uh, this, of course, uh, prompted massive outcry in the city. Um, so that night, I guess, some officer had either been doxxed or was doxxing someone. Um, the article that I'm reading doesn't really say specific, specifically it just says, um, was involved in a doxing, um, scheme. Um, but, so apparently Major Bridget <coughs> here wrote some email out to her entire police department in which she was basically trying to embrace the pain that they were all feeling, um... And remember, like, telling people to remember that they, talking about the, the cops, are the good guys. And she also wrote a few things in there about how the protesters don't know all the facts. Funny how that's, you know, the narrative now on the right. Um, and that they, the police, are the targets of people in the public. Which, 
I mean, I, how often do you see, like, a police officer getting assaulted or, I don't know, murdered in their sleep? Like, there's a few funny videos on YouTube, of course, but, like, um, you know, people of color and other oppressed peoples in this country are constantly being killed left and right by the police, so who's really the target? Um, but do you remember when that officer in Portland, uh, fired tear gas and it, like, ricocheted into his leg and, like, cut him a little bit? And he took a picture of it and posted it and then he reported it as an injury caused by protesters, which therein made that night's protest be considered violent, which is really cool. Um... But that's police officers' understanding of what being a target to, of the public is like. Um, until like six months ago, really, most of the time cops were either respected and had their boots uh, deep-throated by some conservative dickhead, dickhead without a gag reflex, um, or at the very least they were absolutely feared because, you know, they're a police officer. Um, so cops' idea of harassment or targeting is, like, someone yelling, fuck you, uh, at, at, like, out of a passing car window while they're sitting on the side of the road, jerking off to porn stars dressed as cops, fucking the shit out of girls they'd never have the balls to get within, like, ten feet of. Which, when I, when I was thinking about this bit, like, it, it made me wonder something. So, do you... Do you think that cops have ever, like, a cop, I should say, has ever, like, had a situation where they accidentally, like, hit people randomly when they get nervous? Like, do you think there's ever been a situation where a cop was, like, out to dinner with a girl? Maybe it's their fourth date. They obviously haven't had sex yet because, I mean, he looks like he's wearing a bodysuit and has been holding in his shit for, like, eight years. And so he's all tense and upset, and she just, like, asks randomly, like, what are you doing after this? And he gets a boner, and he doesn't know what to do with that energy, so he just punches her in the chest. Like, do you think that's happened ever? Because I'm, I'm assuming it has at least a dozen times. Um... Yeah, so anyways, I guess that cop, uh, Bridget Hallahan, is apparently retiring on October 1st, which, as far as this article is concerned, that means that she'll be re receiving pension um, because she's retiring. She's not getting fired. She's not quitting. She's retiring. And I, I, think, I think that that's something that you should pay attention to when you're reading articles like this. Because a lot of times when cops get in trouble for shit like this, they just retire. Ugh. So, um, speaking of, like, totally not being held responsible for their actions, uh, not being fired, and Louisville... Uh, I'm sure everybody heard the totally not surprising news that only one of the officers in Breonna Taylor's case uh, are being convicted of any crimes. And of the crimes that he could have been convicted of, like, I don't know, murder, uh, he gets wanting endangerment. Uh, so if you haven't Googled that term yet, just like everybody else did after the... the verdict came out what it essentially means is that so the action that that officer took put someone outside of the altercation uh in danger so basically some of the bullets that didn't hit sleeping brianna taylor and murder her uh in her home, where he and the rest of the four cops broke into, um, went through her and, like, hit the apartment behind theirs, I guess. Uh, so he was convicted of putting that person's life in danger, which is just, you know, just fucking great. Um, 
but yeah, I'm not going to go too deep into this because I feel like it doesn't deserve any more attention than it's already receiving, considering that it's a bullshit uh, ruling and nobody should support that, and there quite certainly should be uh, some massive outcry. Uh, but yeah, so no, definitely no one should like do a recreation uh, of that anti-mask protest that everybody seems to have forgotten about, you know, um, back when all those conservative assholes stormed the Capitol building with, like, guns, um, that one, you know, you remember, where the cops did absolutely nothing and left a bunch of psycho country bumpkins and their idiotic friends alone while they came to the state Capitol with assault rifles, putting them in, at cops, with, you know, absolutely no repercussions. Something like that could maybe, you know, as a parody, of course, uh, or should, as a parody, happen in Louisville uh, and all over the world. But, you know, the people with the totally not real weapons should be like you and I. Uh, that could be really funny uh, as a joke and very cool as a thing that could happen. So, speaking of illegitimacy, uh, Supreme Court boring doo-doo shit time. Uh, so, RBG died. You all remember her. She was the one who had the ponytail, wore the tight sleeveless t-shirts, did the cool finishing move where she jumped off the top of the, uh, the rope. And I think it was called, like, the Five Star Frog Splash, or, um, oh, wait a minute. Um, oh, so I'm looking at my notes right now, and it actually turns out the person that I'm describing is the world's only triple championship holding WWE phenomenon, uh, Rob Van Dam. Sorry, guys. Common, common mix-up. Common mix-up. So the person that I'm actually talking about was like a Supreme Court justice in the United States or something. Uh, so she died or whatever, and a lot of people are like up in arms about it. You know, understandably so. Uh, but speaking of things to be up in arms about, have you guys ever heard of a case called City of Cheryl versus the Oneida Indian Nation of New York? Which, side note, double negative. If it's its own nation, how is it also of New York? Ha, ah, funny, caught But whatever, I'm not going to turn this into uh, a bashing of RBG. I mean, I don't want to get canceled before I pass the 30 listeners milestone. And with this new microphone, we're, we're, we're on our way, folks. Um, but yeah, so that wrestler lady died, and now Trump wants to replace her in the Supreme Court. Uh, before the election, or that's what they're saying, um, which, Jesus Christ, is not is less than two months away, um, and if you recall, not too long ago, about four years back, Mitch the Bitch, which both Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi call him as a great little bipartisan thing, nice, nice little, uh, across-the-aisle move right there, uh, Mitch the Bitch decided, back in 2016, if you don't remember, that that action, replacing the Supreme Court justice before the election, wasn't going to slide. Uh, considering that the election was nine months away, uh, and stating that the people should have a say in who's to pick the justice, well, as per usual... Uh, he's going back on his word and, in fact, pushing for the change now. Uh, I'm sure many other people have covered this topic much better than I will and probably will piss you off a little bit less uh, and cater to, you know, how you feel about some basically conservative 87-year-old woman. Uh, so I won't go, like, super into detail, but basically, like, that's a dick move. Like, some are skeptical of whether or not that'll happen before the turn of the year, um, around December when the Senate is to officially decide on all these things, or if it could happen maybe if slash when Trump gets back into office in January. 
Um, but if you want to hear that discussion, go ahead and check out Chapo Trap House's episode from last Tuesday called Beltway Garage, A Vengeance Protocol, Feet. Don Hughes, uh, dated 9-22-20, and listen to Matt and Virgil's takes on that. Um, but anyways, it seems like they might shoot for the stars and do it, which most of us understand is, again, you know what time it is, guys. We can say it together now, slowly. One, two, three. Illegitimate. Right, 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 right. So, the fact that I'm even covering this again is very stupid. But the thing that made me want to talk about this is an article I came across called, and I'm quoting, Dems to insist Trump's court nominee sit out legal challenges to election results, which is puzzling because, like you and I just said, it's an illegitimate discuss, uh, 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 decision. Right, folks, right, folks. Um, so the fact that they've even bothered with saying like oh no you guys you guys shouldn't get to have that person you know decide anything about the election it's like uh that that person shouldn't be in the supreme court come on guys let's pretend to be a political party here um so the fact that they're bothering with this uh idiotic proposal just shows the republicans and old mitch the bitch what they already know which is that the Democrats are an absolutely insignificant, almost non-existing, supposed opponent that, when push comes to shove, will literally bend over and take whatever the Republicans want to give them. I mean, look at that super nice COVID bill we got. Remember May, guys? So, speaking of COVID, uh, about seven months now into this pandemic... Um, technically eight, I guess. We have, and by we, I mean the lucky seven people who got it, uh, received one $1,200 check. And to the people who were lucky enough uh, that their city or county's office's website was updated in the last century and were able to successfully file and receive unemployment insurance, they also got an extra $600 a week. So that was cool for the few people who received it, even though many uh, economists at the time stated that nothing less than $800 a week would cover most uh, working class families' uh, bills. But even then, some millions of others never even received any money, never got a response from their local government as I didn't, and even some people who were supposed to but still haven't received their stimulus check. Conveniently, many of those people who didn't receive any aid were both Puerto Ricans, which, this is nothing new, and also indigenous people of this country who, also, this is not new. Um, one of those indigenous nations was the Navajo, who also, as some of you may remember, received body bags? instead of PPE and much-needed medical supplies when they asked the government to send those things. So that's totally not a trend in awful treatment by our government towards uh, natives, right? So, yeah, I guess uh, to, to pull it back in, apparently Pelosi met with Steve Muknin, which I don't know who the fuck that is or how to say that person's last name. Uh... But apparently they decided, and guys, this is much anticipated and very important news. Uh, so in this meeting, they in fact decided that they would agree to a deal of having more meetings to discuss what they're totally not going to do anything about. Uh, and that is literally all the information this article gives. So don't worry, guys. It's, it's all under control. They got it. They got it. Um, so speaking of things that are totally out of control, um, or sorry, I should say totally under control. Sorry, water break here. So our healthcare system, right? Supposedly it might be getting a much needed coupon, uh, book coming here soon. According to an article on CNBC, 
Trump said in a meeting on Thursday that he planned on issuing out $200 gift cards to 33 million people currently enrolled in Medicare. Of course, that is 33 million of the reported 62.7 million people currently enrolled in Medicare, of which over 50% are 65 or older. So, which, which, this would bring up the question of, which 33 million people get it then, you know? And uh, just let me go ahead and tell you, you know, it is, of course, the people who desperately need it. Um, the poor, jobless, and suffering, and... Oops. Wrong nose again. Sorry. That's just a description of the U.S. working class. Uh, so, actually, I guess the 33 million people uh, who get this gift card are uh, apparently um, those who receive, quote, no extra help with their prescription costs. You know, like middle and upper class individuals who can afford their prescription costs. Uh, yeah, they're going to get the $200 card, not the other 29.7 million, mostly elderly, jobless, poor losers. Um, the plan is supposedly going to cost about $6.6 billion dollars and it'll apparently be offset by trump's new and improved drug pricing plan uh so if you guys didn't hear anything about it like me apparently in july trump uh issued an executive order regarding an attempt to cut drug prices um and it's pretty confusing to most people so to sum it up quickly, it's intended to lower the price of insulin, giving the people uh, insured by certain companies uh, the same rebates and prices as the PBMs or pharmaceutical benefits managers. Which aren't you guys that aren't you guys glad that that job exists? Because that, quite honestly, is one of the most important jobs ever. Right? Right? Um. It's also supposed to allow importation of drugs uh, for cheaper and then also uh, make it so that companies in this country have to charge the U.S. citizens the same prices that they charge other countries, uh, which is called the most favorable rule. So this is like a halfway decent plan uh, if you expect or think that nothing should be done to change the Medicare system. Uh, this, of course, is something that these companies could surely get around and probably won't ever even have to worry about because it won't ever go into effect, um, considering they haven't yet. The money that's saved by doing all of this is what's supposed to pay for these $200 gift cards. Uh, which Trump plans to send out before the election, which is in six weeks. Um, and that money hasn't been collected yet, so neither of these things will happen, probably. Uh, Medicare for All, genuinely, not to go into a bit here or anything, but Medicare for All is genuinely the only solution. Socialized medicine that is guaranteed as a human right is the only thing that would implement you know, strict guidelines that could absolutely make it impossible for inequalities and discrimination to happen, um, especially based on things such as wealth. So, speaking of wealth, um, I don't really want a hard transition here because I want to take my time and make sure that this next segment is actually respectful. Because remember, guys, if we're not respectful, how will we change Jim's mind? And that is, of course, the most important thing right now. Um, so, you know, anywho, I want to try to be respectful because, you know, according to Biden and just about every other liberal ghoul, that's the only way to truly affect change. So in keeping true to the wise words of Joe Biden and his campaign, I will build back better and change my tone. So let's, uh, let's go right into it. So to those of you who aren't aware, there's a political ideology, also an economic ideology, called libertarianism. 
Many of you, I'm sure, have heard of it because it's pretty popular, uh, and some of you might actually even be libertarians yourselves. Uh, one of my good friends is, and I would like to actually dedicate this segment to him, uh, so I want to go ahead and try to take a moment and debunk some commonly held opinions or political understandings that many libertarians have either said to me uh, or on social media or I have known to be said by like the overall libertarian party. Uh, I'd like to preface this by saying I'm not an expert. I'm not a scholar by any means. Uh, I try to assert that before I take on a subject like this every time, but, you know, I have an understanding of these things, and I have a take, so I'm going to say it because I think that that's important to my freedom of choice and personal liberty. So first things first, you know me, we always got to define, define, define. So, libertarianism is defined by Google as a political philosophy that indicates only minimum state intervention in the free market and the private lives of its citizens, which is a very watered-down bullet-point definition. If you want to get a bit more technical, it is a political philosophy that places individual liberty at its core and believes that any state should be freely and consensually associated with that political freedom should be upheld, they should emphasize individualism and freedom of choice, and this is all done, of course, by the use of the free market unregulated in a, uh, in a certain form of libertarianism thought. Um, again, I'm not an expert. So there's a lot of different flavors of libertarian, as there is to every belief or ideology, but... Most all libertarians agree in one sense or another uh, that the state or authority is inherently oppressive and there should, therefore should be dissolved by the use of individual participation in the economy and autonomy for all people. There are some who believe in both the eradication of capital and property as a means to achieve this separation from authority. And many of these ideas in what is called left libertarianism are derived from the same politics and ideas as anarchism, which is uh, at its core a rejection of state authority and this of course influenced both ideologies. So. These folks also believe, this being uh, left libertarians, in the creation of communal or cooperative ownership of land, the means of production, and everything basically that makes a society tick, which is uh, caused by their view of private property as a barrier to individual liberty and freedom. Uh, so, in the... Uh, in the in the mid-1900s, right libertarians co-opted the name, and some such as anarcho-capitalists, who believe, as most right schools of libertarian thought do, that the use of laissez-faire capitalism, you know, you guys all remember 10th grade, right, is the key to solving um, our world's problems. The main school of thought in America is very pro-private ownership of land, natural resources, and infrastructure, and also advocates for civil, civil liberties, natural law, which is uh, a belief that every individual is endowed with certain natural rights, and also, therefore, will, in accordance of that natural right to freedom, uh, will act accordingly when acting against someone else. And also, finally, the U.S. libertarian thought also is keyed around a major reversal of the modern welfare state. Now, again, that's a pretty watered-down explanation. I'm not really a libertarian expert, so sorry. If anyone wants to come on the pod and debate the claims that I just made or even just have a discussion about libertarianism or whatever, 
Um, I'm always down for that. Um, but first off, the most important thing to libertarianism is, of course, in the name. Uh, liberty is very important. Uh, it is also very important to most proud Americans who see their rights to freedom of speech, freedom of expression, uh, the ability to engage in capitalism, and many other privileges enjoyed by some in this country uh, as the central point of American society. But what is liberty? Uh, many people have discussed this before. I'm sure... If you're a libertarian, you've probably read a lot of those texts. Um, let's, let's just do a simple thought experiment then. So, if liberty fundamentally is the freedom and ability to pursue individuality liberally, then that leaves a lot to be sifted through, right? So, is something such as bringing a assault rifle to my local preschool's Christmas show, is, is that liberty? Um, is not wearing a mask during a global pandemic liberty? Is everyone having equal freedom to participate in an economic system uh, that disproportionately gives advantages to wealthy folks, often white ones, who were born on third base and claim to have hit a triple? Now, that reference is for you, Sam. Go Cubs! Maybe in another uh, hundred years, right? Yeah. Uh, so, what makes something a liberty and what makes it a privilege, um, or I, I should say what makes something liberty, a liberty, I guess, is incorrect, but um, back to the thought experiment. So let's say, just for, of course, we're creating a fallacy, so you have to remember that that doesn't necessarily prove or disprove anything, but what we're trying to do is put, you know, in play uh libertarian thought in a possible real-life scenario. So, let's say two kids are born, you know, they're perfectly fine, twins, um, they're driving home from the hospital, and boom, they get into a car accident, both their parents die. Somehow or another, they're both alive. So, they go to an orphanage where they are both eventually adopted. One, by the name of Thomas, is adopted by a beautiful nuclear family from uh, central New York. They have a nice little split-level house in the suburbs. He goes to school, never really wants for things such as food, water, or even toys and things such as those. He's given clothes that he needs, he enjoys the extended family he now has, and altogether grows up in a semi-functioning, quote-unquote, middle-class white family. The other one, Howie, on the other hand, does not meet the same fate, even though they were both born into the same equal opportunities. He was adopted by a 62-year-old woman by the name of Dolores, Dolores Umbridge. Every day she would write in permanent marker on Howie's hand every time he does something wrong. And then at the end of the night, he, she whips him one time for every mistake that he made that day. He doesn't go to school because Mrs. Umbridge feels that it's a privilege that he doesn't deserve with his current behavior. He's given one outfit for every day of the week. They all look exactly the same and they are all too small. Uh, eventually, at 13, he runs away. Uh, with nothing except for one of those outfits, which he hasn't got a new one of since he got them originally. Uh, in a pair of shoes. In a rush, he ends up at a bus station. He hops on a bus where he convinces the driver that he's meeting his father at the next stop so as to not be worried. When he gets off, another man who got off notices that he stands there all alone for a while, so he offers to take him to his car. He offers to give him a ride 
to Howie's father, wherever he is, and then eventually, upon investigation, finds out that Howie actually doesn't have a father and has just ran away from home. So the man takes Howie home for the night, and while he's there, the man sneaks into Howie's room and molests him. Howie runs away, of course, um, and over the course of a few years, he jumps from bus stop to train stop, from gas stations behind the dumpster to a local business's back porch where <clears throat> eventually the cops are called on him. At this point, he's uh, severely addicted to heroin. Uh, he's arrested that day and tried with possession of narcotics, public indecency because he was naked, um, loitering, and trespassing. And he's found to have also stolen merchandise from a Walmart that reported stolen merchandise a few days ago, tying him to that case as well. He gets four years and eventually comes out a brand new man. Two years later, um, after battles with addiction, he ends up killing himself accidentally while shooting up, not knowing that he got the special stuff with the fentanyl in it. Oops, right? But I mean, the thing of it is, is Howie had the same opportunities as everyone else. Um, he was born into a society that really advocates for personal liberty and everything like that. Now, of course, we know that we live in a society that advocates for those things, but does not implement proper structures to actually allow those things for everyone. But the difference is, um, in my opinion, that is, it's, uh, it's not something that is solved with more capitalism. But <clears throat> how about another one, another example? Let's, we'll make this one a bit shorter. So let's say a man immigrates from a country, maybe Bolivia. He comes to this country and then goes back to Bolivia. And when he doesn't go back, he sends money to his wife there and their daughter, who is two years old. Finally, at the age of five, um, she and her mother officially move to the United States with their green cards, you know, everything like that. He gets a job at a local pizza hut, and then a few months later at a Bass Pro Shop as a cleaner. He works both those jobs tirelessly for 18 years. And then one random day, his boss walks up to him with an envelope. He's scared because he doesn't speak English very well, so every conversation with his boss is very intimidating, not wanting to sound stupid, or even worried he might not be able to understand what his boss is telling him. His boss hands the man an envelope with a grim look on his face. He says, I'm sorry, Eddie. This is your last paycheck. We had to let you go. Eddie, astonished of course, leans his mop onto the wall, takes the check out of his boss's hand, and looking very confused, he says, why? I do good work. I work hard for 18 years now. His boss looks down at the ground and sighs. He says, I know you have, Eddie, but we hired a cleaning crew to come in once a week to clean the store, and it's, it's just easier this way, you know, paperwork and stuff. And then he escorts Eddie out of the building to his car, not even letting him put the mop back in the cleaning closet. Now, Eddie, in this scenario, had achieved his green card. He had immigrated legally and became a citizen, worked tirelessly at two jobs, seven days a week, for 18 years. He had a wife and a daughter whose bills he still had to pay, and now with one less job in the middle of a global pandemic during an economic crisis has absolutely no means to pay his bills and his wife and child's bills too. Now tell me, what would a deregulated free market economy have for a solution to that? Because Eddie is free as a motherfucker and has the right to enjoy life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He has equal opportunities to everyone. He came to this country legally. He became a citizen. 
and he showed exactly what Republicans and most of this country says an immigrant has to be in order to be valued as a human being. He was an extremely contributing citizen. So, working hard for 18 years, and his boss, who obviously took the efficient money-saving option that capitalism directly incentivizes and also leads to, and fired him. <clears throat> In replacement, he put a cleaning crew to come once a week, compared to Eddie being there every day, 8 to 5, which... That is a true metaphor for capitalism, especially this late stage we're currently enjoying, creating a non-existent problem, replacing it with a less functioning, more expensive, more quote-unquote convenient solution to said problem, which never existed, and which already had a solution, which was Eddie. So my question becomes very simple. What solutions does libertarianism possess? Because it seems to me a band-aid fix, and one that only would have worked in the time that Adam Smith was still having sex. With the governing system, economy, society, and its institutions in this country so entirely fucked beyond proportion, there's nothing that we need less than less regulated capitalism. If you can't see the obvious indications that our current society would have as to what would happen in an even freer market, then my friend, you might be lost. But as many of us have been, shit, I was a conservative, then a liberal. We all make mistakes, and no one thinks or shouldn't think, I should say, any less of you for it, unless you're a fascist, which, in that case, you can go take a nosedive out of an airplane without a parachute, into a volcano while injecting cyanide into your forehead, as a parody, of course, because guys, wouldn't that be so fucking hilarious? Um, so, anyways, I guess that's the end of the show. Um... Sam, I hope you didn't hate that. Uh, I was very high while I wrote this, and I stand by every sly comment and idiotic reference I made, and also the points I made, too. Those I stand by, too. Um, probably. I don't know. You can talk to me later. You know. Um, so I have some unfortunate news for the three people who listen to this podcast. Um, so, because we exist in, uh, late-stage capitalism in the middle of a fucking pandemic, and, uh, because I have to work in order to afford a living that would allow me to eat, pay rent, be able to afford gas to get to said job, <clears throat> I had to go full-time, and... You know, a lot, a lot of shit went down, um, and everything like that. But now, uh, I am the assistant manager of my job, which I kind of really fucking hate because, I mean, I mean, I don't hate it because it's what got me full-time. I had to be a manager in order to get full-time hours, but I hate it because... It just, I don't, first of all, I don't want to have to fucking train anyone. That sounds awful. Um, but also just because, like, I don't want to have to be someone's babysitter and tell them, like, Oh, you were six minutes late to work the other day. You gotta be sure to get that down. And, like, obviously I wouldn't say that just out of my own accord, but... With the way that our business works, corporate watches the time slots and stuff like that, watches the, the cameras of our store, and will call us, usually either me or my new manager, and tell us, like, hey, you gotta fix this shit. And then I gotta be a boss? That's really stupid. Why? Um, but yeah, so because of that, and because I literally only have one other co-worker now, after today, which, super cool. 
We're open seven days a week for 12 hours a day. Totally not a problem whatsoever. But because of that, I probably will not be posting as often here for at least a couple weeks. Um, I feel very bad about it because I get a lot of enjoyment out of this and I... You know, this is what I do in the morning when I wake up and have my cup of coffee. I read about these articles and I usually write either a blog or a podcast episode. Um, and it's kind of like what gets me ready for the day. And also I like staying up to, you know, up to snuff on current events, which is a sadistic hobby to have. It's extremely, um, what's it called when you like getting physically hurt? For sexual pleasure. I, I don't know. Um, I think it is sadist. Masochism. Yeah. That is totally masochist. Um, but no, I, I enjoy it because it, uh, I have a huge ego uh, and I'm very arrogant. And one of the ways that I can prove to myself that, that arrogance is properly placed is by being intelligent. Uh, hence the podcast. So, yeah, um, I'm sorry. I don't think anyone's going to care. I say that. Um, I hope someone cares. I don't think anybody does. But it'd be cool if somebody did. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be posting less. What else? Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about my other... Uh, platform. So I also have a blog, which I just talked about. It is Annoying Question Boy. No capitals or anything like that. No spaces. No anything in between. Spelt exactly how it, it should be. At, or sorry, annoyingquestionboy.blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T, dot com. Uh, I post on there much more frequently than I post on my podcast because, like I said, it's what I do every morning. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which currently still only has four videos on it. I'm sorry, I am so bad at getting myself to uh, record those videos. But honestly, now that I got this mic, I might be more incentivized to do that. Um, so yeah, be on the lookout for that, I guess. And then, of course, I have social media because how else am I going to want to not uh, shoot myself in the face? Um, so Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at Annoying Question Boy. Um, on Twitter, it's at Annoying Quest I, I think, and then a number one. I don't know why I thought that that was a good uh, handle. Um, if you search Annoying Question Boy, you'll find me. And then... I think that's it. So, thanks for listening. Uh, if you're hearing this, you're a true uh, bro, and I'm so happy to have you uh, give a shit about what I have to say, because it means that I can continue saying shit that I think that people need to know. So thank you for that. You have a fantastic day or night or afternoon whatever time it is um and as always it has been your boy we'll see you next time folks adios